The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message is the conclusion of a sermon by Elder Craig Blair preached on the fifth Sunday night in May 2022. In this sermon, Brother Craig explains to us from the Word of God how that God requires certain attire when we labor in the kingdom of God. There are some things we need to put on as well as some things we need to put off. Some attitudes, some actions, some ways to approach one another in the kingdom of God are necessary in order for us to prosper. Please join us for the conclusion of this message, Putting On Our Kingdom Clothes. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Mouths of mercies, kindness. Kindness, brothers and sisters, is an action that comes forth from bowels of mercy. You know, the story that we're given of that good Samaritan. You know, a fellow that had been falling prey to the thieves and the robbers and was cast off and beat it and left in the, in the ditch for death. And that, that Samaritan, well, the others didn't have much bowels of mercy, did they? You know, they went by first and said, well, I don't know what you did, but whatever you, you deserve to be there, I'm sure. Just like those three wonderful friends of Job. When they came up there, they didn't have a lot of bowels of mercy, did they? They didn't have that sympathy and empathy for old brother Job for the things he was suffering. And said, look, Job, you just need to confess because something that you've done has called this to come upon yourself. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's not. Bowels of mercy. That old Samaritan, he came by and he had compassion upon that man. What did he do? Then he exercised that with kindness with the act of kindness. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a great example that we have when our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came down out of heaven. What an act of kindness that was towards us, brothers and sisters. What a, a glorious thing. And it's teaching us that in this kingdom as we're laboring, that we pray to God, give us a compassionate heart. You know, if we don't, we're not going to express a lot of kindness. We're not going to do some things that we need to do to heal and to bind and to encourage and to instruct. You know, brothers and sisters, you know, a lot of these things go together. Bowels of mercies. You know, we all like to receive mercy, don't we? You like to be merciful? You find opportunities and seek those out and act on those opportunities to be merciful? We should. If we do that, we're going to be a, you're going to be a stronger church. You're going to labor in that garden. You're going to see some fruit produced that you won't see otherwise without that action of being kind. You know, we're taught in many places in the Bible to be, be kind and tenderhearted one to another. You know, these are things that we should express in all of our life. You know, we're taught to, as we have opportunity to do good upon, to, unto all men, Right? But there's something else added to that, right? But especially, especially unto the household of faith. You know, these things that we ought to practice in our life out there, oh, they're just about a requirement for us to have a good, healthy garden here in this church, in our kingdom. Bowels of mercy, kindness. Humbleness of mind. Oh, children. Let us never think more of ourselves than we ought. Amen. Let us never think more of that. You know, when we really understand, brothers and sisters, at the root of our labor in this kingdom, that we know and that we realize that by nature, there's no good thing that dwells in me. I'll just confess that. You know, I'll confess something to you that you already know. Isn't that the easiest confession? <laughs> There's nothing good in me, nothing of my own will that I could say Amen. that, Lord, I've done these things. You owe me this. Look at me. I, well, I, I would desire to have that, that understanding. You know, the apostle Paul had that understanding, but he, on, on multiple occasions, he wanted to teach. Uh, he didn't want to ever forget that. You want to be reminded. On the songs we sing, the Lord give me my sins to mourn. 
Don't ever forget, brothers and sisters, what we are by nature. You know, if we start to forget that, then we'll start to forget some other really important things. You know, when we start thinking more of ourselves than we should, then we're going to start thinking less of God and Jesus Christ than we should. Because what we're going to say is that, you know, I wasn't just a poor, completely unworthy sinner. There's actually a little good in me. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself in that position that old Pharisee was when he talked about all the things he'd done for the Lord. And then he even added on, you know, that was bad enough, wasn't it, Brother Tim? If he just stopped right there. And then he said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that old publican over there. Who was in the best position? Oh, that old publican, he knew what he was. He just bowed his head and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Smote his breast. Open confession of what he was. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. You know, if you don't have an humbleness of mind, you're not going to have a spirit of meekness. You're going to find a lot of times when there's work to be done that you're going to make a mess of that work because you don't have humbleness of mind and you don't act with meekness. Amen. You might respond with some advice that will not be taken. Right. You know, have you ever tried, and I expect some of your parents can probably, you can probably relate to this. There's time that you know what needs to be done, but the way that you, you know, you find yourself, if you're not careful, you give those instructions the way that, you know what it does? You can just see those ears go just like this. <laughs> Humbleness of mind. You know, our Savior, God of heaven, God the Son, Alpha and Omega, the author and the finisher, the one that spoke this world into existence, this one that rules and super rules. This one condescended, brothers and sisters, to leave heaven to come down here for us, humbled himself obediently to the death of the cross. Things in there that is precious hard to understand, isn't it? Came as a servant. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he was God, but made himself to be the form of a servant. Came down here to serve. Showed that to you and I when he, in that precious upper room, above the den of the street, the night that he was to be betrayed, taken captive, falsely accused, unjustly condemned, abused by men, carry a cross up to the hill on Calvary and be nailed to there and then to suffer the wrath of God. In that night before he did that, as he had the, the precious thing with them, he knelt and washed their feet. You call me master. And they should, because he was. But he said, if I, your master, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Giving us that great example of service. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, patient forbearance of whatever providence brings our way. You know, brothers and sisters, there's things that will occur to you in your life that will require long-suffering. And then working in this kingdom, it's going to require some patient forbearance. There will be things that come along that, you know, we as our human nature... We want it. We want what we want. 
and we want it now. And that's even worse today than it's ever been. Isn't that true? I mean, the society that we're in, it's, it's instant this, it's quick this, it's immediate. You know, we lost the contemplative meditation that is so good for our souls. That be still time. You know, we don't have enough be still time, do we? And we're impatient. And I can tell you, working in this kingdom, there's some things that you're just going to have some patience with. You know, I got impatient in my garden this year. And I planted some things too early. I had to replant a lot of them. And some of them, they came up, but they just didn't grow. No matter what I did, it's just going to require some patience. I can tell you, my okra is starting to grow now. But it's been sitting about that tall for three or four weeks. <laughs> I had to replant some things because I planted them too soon. I was impatient there. And in God's kingdom, it's going to require a little patience. Bowels of mercy, humbleness of mind. You know, having that humble spirit, I can tell you, I find in the garden, a lot of times, if I'm going to do the work that I need to do, i got to get down on my knees. I got a couple of knee pads I wear because I found, especially there's some things that if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get up close to a plant, especially when it's young and tender, if there's some weeds around there and I'm gonna get those weeds out, I can't do that with the hole. I got to get down there on my knees. I got to do that by hand. You know, I can tell you, working in this kingdom, brothers and sisters, and these clothes that we have to work in the kingdom, you know, there's things that we got to get down at ground level. You're going to have to work face-to-face with some things that may bother you. I can tell you that certainly these ministers know that, but it's not confined to them. I can tell you there's counseling. They're laboring and working with some of God's people that are doing some things that are are really tough and sit there and with meekness explain to them, thus saith the Lord. This is what God's word said. Here's what's going to happen if you continue in this path. Here's the affliction you're bringing on yourself and the things you're bringing on the other. You're dealing with somebody that's suffering from addiction, I can tell you, I can tell you by experience, brothers and sisters, that'll get you in some places that you really just soon not be. Forbearing one another. See that long-suffering? If you don't have the patience, if we don't have that, that characteristic, we don't have the garment, brothers and sisters, of long-suffering. And just thinking about, again, that great example of our God. Oh, he's long-suffering. He's not forever suffering, is he? But he is long-suffering. Thanks be to God. We read in the Old Testament, as he's dealing with the nation of Israel, you know, I read that with just amazement at the mercies of God about how he was so long-suffering those people. You know why? Because he loved them. They were his chosen people. But, you know, they hadn't, they hadn't hardly got out of Egypt. What they start doing? Started complaining. We're thirsty. There's nothing to drink around here. Well, here's a well. We drink that water, it's bitter, but the Lord made it sweet. They're going to take you to a place called Elam, and there's going to be wells there, and there's going to be date trees, but pretty soon they're out in the wilderness. Next thing you know, they're complaining again. You just brought us out here to die, Moses. And Lord, we'd rather be back in Egypt, and the Lord would deliver them, and he would deliver them. He had them that land prepared in Canaan's land. He told them, go in there and possess the land. And they said, well, let's form a committee and figure out whether what the Lord said is true. And you know how that story worked out for them. The Lord gave them 40 years in the wilderness, but you know, their shoes didn't wear out. 
They were fed, they were watered in that wilderness, and they were delivered into that Canaan's land, long-suffering God. Thanks be to him that he is. He tells us that if we're long-suffering, if we have that characteristic, if we wear that garment, then it says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. I can tell you, brother, sister, you see a church where there's a spirit of forbearance, where there's long-suffering in the members in that church, then little things don't turn into big things. They don't turn into, see, they don't go really from little to big. It's kind of like me when I'm gaining weight. I go to little, to a little bigger, to a little bigger, to a little bigger, to big. It, it doesn't happen all at once. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Well, why should we do that? What example do we have of that? Well, even as Christ forgave you and I. You know, in that example, pray that we're given to pray. You know, there's some, there's some scary words in there, brothers. I don't know if you've read that very close. I love that one about give us this day our daily bread. I'm all about that. But it gets over there about... Lord, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. You know, if we, have, if we have those bowels of mercy, we can sympathize. Sometimes someone might say something that would be offensive to you, but if you just stop right there and say, well, you know, I, I know what I am, a sinner, and sometimes I act that same way. Maybe they've had a bad day. Maybe something's happened to them. And I'm going to have a little mercy for them. And I'm going to have an act of kindness. And I'm going to forbear that. I'm going to forgive that. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. It says, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Some good things to, to wear in the kingdom, aren't they? When you're laboring in this kingdom, have your work clothes on. It's not all. And above all these things, put on charity. You know, brothers and sisters, if these acts of kindness, if the meekness, if forbearance and forgiveness, they should be done out of what? Out of love. Put on charity. That's love in action. And that word charity there, he's talking about agape love there. He's not talking about phileo. You could, it'd have that same effect working in. But that, brothers and sisters, the things that we do, that we don't do these things out of fear. And I'll tell you, duty will only carry you so far. Amen. You know, I'll be honest to you. There's been times in my life when I went to church because I knew I needed to. I knew I had to. I felt obligated. Right. It was something that was expected. Sometimes there's Sundays that you, you may get up and say, you know, I just don't really feel like going to church, but I know I need to be there. And I'm going to go out of a sense of duty if nothing else. And I hope you don't have that feeling very often because that's not going to take you very long. That we ought to do these things that we put on charity. That the things that we do, we do out of love. Not love for the praise of men, no. Not love for natural things that we might gain by actions, no. But the, the pure, unadulterated love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we have an understanding, brothers and sisters, what he did for you and I. The grace of God manifested you and I in that covenant before the foundation of the world and that wonderful miracle that he looked at me and loved me and chose me. And that Jesus Christ came to this world to suffer and bleed and die for me. If you feel that, if you feel the very personal nature of God's love for you and what it took for you to be spared eternal punishment and suffering and something beyond, it's equally beyond our imagination 
is heaven and immortal glory is beyond our imagination. You just imagine that just a little bit. You can imagine that a little bit, how glorious that is, brothers and sisters. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You know, there's some things there that will produce some actions in your life and then in the church. And let the peace of God, you know, if you can let something, what can you also do? You can hinder it. Yeah, he's talking about something here that you can let happen or let not happen. And let the word of Christ dwell. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you're also called in one body and be ye thankful. You know, these things that we put on in the kingdom, brothers and sisters, and if we, we labor here in this vineyard, you're going to get some joy. You're going to get some peace. He says, and let the peace of God occasionally be part of your life. No, he doesn't say that. Let the peace of God what rule in your hearts. I can tell you, brothers and sisters, when... When the peace of God, when that, that understanding of what he did and your desire to please him and honor and glorify him, and we put on these things and we labor and we do a good day's work in the kingdom of God, then the Lord is going to bless you. If he's given you one talent or three talents or seven talents or whatever he's given you in your gift, that you employ that in the way he has taught us in God's word, then you're going to find some peace that you will not find anywhere else. You're going to have an air about you that people will be able to see you and say, there's something different about that fellow. I know what's going on in his life. You know, I just saw him get chewed out by the boss. And he was, he was respectful. He listened. He tried to take it constructive. There's a great example. Maybe someone saw you the way you dealt with your children in the grocery store. There's countless examples. But those things, brothers and sisters, that we wear these garments... Well, that's one of the labors in the kingdom right there. There's something unique about that. You know, it says that they, at Antioch they were first called Christians. Amen. Didn't say they called themselves Christians first at Antioch, did they? They were called that. Let the peace of God. What a glorious thing that is. Rule in our hearts to which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. And he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. And finally he ends. He says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. What a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, that in this kingdom, if we labor to love each other, you know, there's work to do in God's kingdom. Amen. You know, those things that we do for and to each other, it's another one of those things that ought to make us pause a little bit. He tells us that in those things, it's as if we have done it to him. We said in a couple of places, well, you know, he was, Christ was asked on that one occasion about which of the commandments is the greatest? He said, well, I'll give you two. And all this is all the, all the law and all the prophets wrapped up in this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Put on that charity and love your neighbor as yourself. There be different ways you might think about that. But I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, the action. And, you know, that neighbor may be the person that lives next to you. 
But just because someone lives next to you in the sense that in Scripture, that's not your neighbor. That's a nearby. That's a kinsman. That's somebody that you've got a relationship to. And in that relationship, brothers and sisters, if we love those that are kinsmen in Christ as ourself, that's talking about bearing each other's burdens. You know, in Galatians chapter 6, we're taught that, you know, that every man must bear his own burden. And we're also taught that Bear you one another's burdens. So those are different burdens there. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, also said in doing these things, you fulfill the law of Christ. In bearing each other's burdens. That, brothers and sisters, is the greatest display. Uh, you want to show God that you love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, then you love your neighbor as yourself. You bear one another's burdens. You know, when he was given the description of the sheep there in Matthew 25, how did he describe those sheep? We know they were on the right hand, and we know there was a place prepared for them. But when he gave the description of those sheep, what was it about? When I was hungry, he fed me. When I was thirsty, he gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, there might be natural applications of those, but in this kingdom, you're going to find there's spiritual applications of those too. You know, brothers and sisters, the greatest sign of a sheep is acting like a sheep. The greatest sign in acting like a follower of Christ is acting like Christ. Amen. To love one another for Christ's sake. I hadn't gardened very long. This is my third summer with a garden. My dad had one every year that he lived up to the very last year. And there were occasions he called me to work out in the garden. That was not a lot of fun. <laughs> You know, it was always something I wanted to do before then. And I can tell you there was a time many years ago that the Lord called me to work in his garden. And that was a fearful thing. It still is. But all I can tell you, brothers and sisters, you think about the joy of putting on your spiritual work clothes and going to the kingdom and working to produce fruit of praise and honor and glory to the Lord. What a wonderful thing. And we still, just like in garden, no matter what we do, if we do exactly what is told in the Bible, you know, it doesn't obligate God. I can go up there and I can fertilize and I can weed, but if the Lord don't provide rain, where does the increase come from? It comes from Him. And we realize that and we know that and we thank Him for His goodness and His grace. And we have such wonderful opportunities to come together to praise Him in this wonderful refuge that he's given tomorrow if you still have to work <laughs> well see I, I, I got to go out in the world too even though I don't work make sure you got your armor handy but make sure that we're laboring in this kingdom there's been a lot of labor in this kingdom at this place and others around you see the fruits of that you see churches prospering you see people growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and you see peace and love and harmony and the Lord is pleased with that and a great thing, you know, we need to have we need to have these places all over this country so that maybe the Lord will spare us that which is to come. In his name we pray. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. 
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.